welcome to the Seeing Deep podcast, where we see deep in a shallow world by exploring our surrounding culture through a biblical lens. This month, we've been discussing living unbroken. And back with us this week is Tracy Miles to discuss her book by the same title. Tracy has been a part of Proverbs 31 Ministries since 2006 as a contributing writer to Encouragement for Today, Daily Devotions, which reaches millions of women around the world every day with encouragement from God's Word. And she was also a national speaker on the speaker team for 15 years until deciding to focus primarily on writing. She works full-time at Proverbs 31 Ministries as a director of Compel Training, which is a membership site that teaches thousands of aspiring writers about the craft of writing and the publishing industry and helps countless women pursue their publishing dreams. Tracy is a popular best-selling author of five books, all of which were birthed out of personal experiences and stories which God has used to bring purpose out of her pain and bring encouragement and hope to women around the world. And principles from her most recent book, Living Unbroken, Reclaiming Your Life and Your Heart After Divorce, is the topic of our discussion today. Welcome back, Tracy. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. Oh, it's such a joy. And y'all, I have to tell you, if any of you are wanting to be a writer, if you just feel like God has just placed it in your heart to write, Compel is the place that got me to writing. Uh, if I hadn't um, taken that step, I'm sure uh, that my books wouldn't be out there right now. So, you know, if you have a message, there's a development that God wants to do in you, and Compel is a fantastic place to do that. So the scripture for this episode is taken from Isaiah 61, verse 3. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. You know, God is in the business of taking our brokenness, of taking our ashes and turning it into a thing of beauty. He gets the glory for the work he accomplishes in us. And he is still Jehovah Rapha. Your situation is not impossible. And the thing about divorce is that it feels like the end, but in Christ, nothing is ever wasted. And God is our is never finished with our story. As I looked over your wonderful book, Tracy, I was struck with the fact that this walk toward healing is not something we accomplish on our own, but it is something we let happen. And so I've kind of phrased a little bit your some of your main points in your book with five things we need to let happen. And point number one is letting yourself grieve. It's okay to not be okay. We've heard that phrase probably uh, in recent years. Grief has a role. Don't try to bypass it. I know sometimes pain is one of those things we want to avoid, but it will not help. God can use it. And denying the grief will not heal it. It only keeps us stuck there longer. So Tracy, you mentioned denial and stage one of grief. Can you expound on this? Sure. Well, what I realized just through my own grieving process is that people don't realize that that haven't been through this experience that you are grieving a death just as if you were grieving the death of someone that passed away. And, you know, you're, you're mourning the death of someone that did not die, but is just no longer in your life. 
and it's just as painful, but there's no one that is sending you casseroles or there's no funeral. Mm -hmm. There's no, you know, Hallmark cards coming in the mail. There's just not that level of compassion and empathy. Of course, people care, but they just don't understand the grief. And also those of us walking through that often don't understand that it is a grieving process because we feel like, you know, what's wrong with us? Why can't I, why can't I get over this? Why am I crying every day? Why do I want this person that possibly betrayed me or was unfaithful or, you know, has even abused me? That's, it's a, it's something that we, we want to hold on to what we once knew, even if it wasn't great for us, but grief is a natural healing process. And that's part of the way that God helps us to heal. It's just one of the stages and tears are actually good for us. And I can't remember the exact scientific information that I share in the book about tears, but there are different hormones and things in tears of grief than there are in regular like tears of joy. And it's healing. It's a healing part of the grieving process. And so we have to let ourselves you know, grieve, because even though it's a painful season to endure, because it really does, it's something that we have to go through. And we don't have to stuff our feelings. We don't have to pretend like it's not bothering us. We don't have to be ashamed of crying or ashamed of being depressed or wanting to isolate ourselves, because that is part of what everything that we have to go through. So just, I just want to encourage women to let yourself grieve and don't don't be afraid of it. It's, some, it's the first thing that you need to do and realize that if you have children, your children are going to be grieving too in different ways. And so we have to be aware of the different ways that they're grieving and what their needs are. And that's hard too, because it's like, I mentioned getting hit by a freight train. It's like getting hit by a freight train, but then having to pick yourself up and not worry about your injuries because you've got to tend to everyone else's injuries. So it kind of compounds the grieving process, but it's something that we all have to go through in mm. order to start moving closer to healing. So true. And I think one thing that really helped me was just crying out to God. You know, it's almost like there's this door across the room, but there's a lot of obstacles to get out of that door. And we can try to say, well, I'll just forget about it. You know, um, that isn't going to help. You know, we have to be willing to process those things. And for me, I even read a book about how to cry out to God because I was so yeah. broken and in such horror over my circumstances. I couldn't process it. It was so overwhelming. And so for me, it was, I just had to weep and weep and weep and cry out to God. And, you know, that really helped me to let go uh, in the grieving process. But point number two is letting go of anger and the thing about anger, even in the therapy I went to was I had to learn to be angry. And I know that sounds funny, but when you're in such shock, you really don't know how to process your feelings and anger feels appropriate. We can even call it righteous anger and feel better about the gnawing unforgiveness that twists our stomach in knots. But I remember one point in the middle of the divorce and endless court battles for five years, I asked God, I said, God, why are we suffering for his sin? You know, I just didn't understand it. And he said to me, Denise, I wasn't angry with you when I paid for yours. And I, <laughs> I didn't understand what does this look like? You know, and, and in anger, certainly be angry about sin that is committed, but we still have to process it. And for me, every time I would drive to the court, every time, 
the song Forgiveness would play on the radio. And I'm like, really? (laughs) I don't want to hear this right now. Uh, And so I had to go before God and it was okay to tell him about the anger and he would work in my heart. It wasn't something that I, on my own, said, okay, I'm just not going to be angry anymore. No, that's not real. You know, but there was a forgiveness that needed to happen. Um, That was at least part of my story. So, Tracy, can you share how you work through anger? I mean, sometimes people think as Christians, we cannot express our hurt and letting go of anger does not mean that you don't feel, though. What does it look like? Mm -hmm. Well, anger is, especially if you have, like I said, been betrayed or really hurt. And I loved what you said about, you know, why are we having to suffer for someone else's choices and and behaviors. You know, you suffer the consequences of their actions and it seems so unfair. And so my children and I were in those same shoes and actually are still walking a lot of that today with some of those consequences that seem to just not go away, Mm -hmm. even though it's been over five years. But I, and I rode to court many, many times myself and left in a fury many, many times Mm -hmm. because of the court system don't seem to be on the side of, um, you know, the people that it probably should be at times. But I realized that it's okay to be angry. We can't l- let that verse that says, you know, don't let the sun go down on your anger. That has a lot of different interpretations, but it's okay because that's an emotion that God gave us. And that's one of the stages of grief. And I talk about these five stages of grief a lot in the book because it's so important because we think, oh, we're not allowed to fall apart. We're not allowed to be angry. And we certainly can't be angry at God, but God can take it. And that's what I, that's what I realized. I was angry at myself because I had let things go on. I had enabled behavior just because I wanted to keep my family together and, and, you know, until it was impossible. And I was angry at my husband because of his choices and the consequences. And I was angry at God because I prayed for so many years and I was serving in ministry and I was doing all the things I thought I should be doing and trying to be a good mom and friend. You know, mm-hmm. we all think if we walk the straight and narrow path and we do this and this and this, that's, that's kind of goes back to that bargaining stage that uh, you, you briefly touched on, but you know, this, like, if I do this, will you fix my marriage? If I go to church more, if I write this book, or if I attend this class and lead this ministry, we, we want God to, to do things the way we want him to do them. And then when he doesn't, we get angry. But as you said, with forgiveness, it's so hard to do, but God will constantly remind us that that's what we're called to do. But forgiveness is necessary for us. And I had to really come to grips with the fact that even though I had no contact with my ex-husband, nor did my children, there was no support that was happening, which was causing huge fears financially about, you know, how to survive. I just had to come to the point to where even though he's not asking for forgiveness, even though he may not deserve my forgiveness, I don't want unforgiveness to affect my daily joy. I'm tired of living in this bitterness and this anger and waking up every day so mad because it's just affecting every thought that I was having. I couldn't watch a funny movie and even enjoy it because all I could think about was how angry I was. And I realized that's just not where I wanted to live. I don't want to live my life like that. You know, life is too short. (laughs) So even if it's hard, I could ask every day for God to help me grant forgiveness and it actually took a long time. And even after many, many months, when I felt like I had forgiven, something would trigger me and I would realize 
maybe I've just forgiven with my words and not my heart. And so I would have to start that process all over again. And even just recently, I've had to do that again. So forgiveness is a process. It's definitely not an overnight thing. It's something that we have to continually do throughout this entire journey for many, many years. Mm. You know, that when you mentioned the bargaining, I know I remember different times just thinking, you know, I just want out, right? <laughs> we just want out of this pain and uh, mm-hmm. trying to think of different solutions to help God. <laughs> and it's like, okay, even um, I think about Joseph, you know, and how I'm sure there were times he wanted to escape out of his situations. I mean, we see that in scripture, but we don't see what God is doing in the big picture. We just see the here and now sometimes. And, and so our bargaining, we don't see everything. And that's where trusting God in that place, he's going to bring it about for our good and his glory, which is amazing. Uh, and so we don't, we don't need to bargain because we know that God is in complete control. Um, so point number three, uh, letting yourself feel joy again. So this is such a hard area because depression is an extremely hard mindset to break free from. And I know uh, for myself, uh, there were times even when I would go to the doctor's office, you know, and you're like, I'm a Christian. I'm not going to be depressed because I trust God. And then I end up, you know, hearing the doctor say, you're depressed and you're like crying. <laughs> I'm not depressed. <laughs> but it, it is something that's real that needs to be dealt with. And God has help for depression. Nothing is too far out of reach for him to help. And so let me say that good news. If you're listening today and say, I'm just depressed and I can't climb out, we can let ourselves feel joy again, and God is able to break through. So Tracy, what tips can you share to help people suffering with depression as a byproduct from divorce? Mm -hmm. Well, unfortunately, depression and anxiety is, is such a misunderstood mental situation. And I'm the first to admit that because until I experienced it, I was one of those people that really didn't understand it. But you do, I did get to the point after many, many months of hopelessly trying to hope that my husband would change, make different decisions, you know, offer opportunities for reconciliation, even though it probably was not in the best interest of me or my my future or my family. I just was sinking into depression and my children were super worried. They were teenagers in college age and they, they began to get very worried about me, as did my family and friends, but I just was sinking and I would stay in my bedroom for days. And I finally did go to the doctor. I went to a couple of therapy sessions, but I really couldn't afford it. So I didn't have the luxury of a lot of counseling, but I did have a lot of friends. I did have community. I did have family. I did have medication for a while, which if we need it, get it. I mean, that's God created doctors and doctors created that. So if, you know, that's there to help us if we need that. But mm-hmm. I I just feel like there are things that we can do. We have to get to that point to where we do look to God and say, okay, I do need your help. I need you to help me get with this. And even one of my daughters right now is struggling with depression and anxiety. And I look at her and I have to remind myself because I'm thinking to myself, why, why are you depressed? Why are you so sad? You have a wonderful life, a great job. You have this and that and this and that. But 
there's so many things that we deal with internally that other people don't understand. And especially with separation and divorce, that's, you know, that's part of it. So one of the things that I thought was really important to include in the book is just ways to start doing little things for yourself to pull out of that. Not that any of them are medical diagnosed, you know, (laughs) medical things that have been tried and scientifically proven, but I call them happiness prompters and healing steps and caring for you section. And at the end of each chapter, I just wanted to give the readers an opportunity to take what they've read about the topic of the chapter and actually implement it into their life. Because we can read books all day long and think, oh, it's so inspiring. Oh, that was really wise. I liked that information. But then we lay the book down and we move on with our life in the same exact way that we were already living it. And that's how we get in that cycle of not ever pulling out of depression or whatever stage of grief that we're in. So just doing some of the little things that in the book to to really start stepping out of your comfort zone, forcing yourself to go out, do something for yourself, take care of yourself, do some self-reflection, do some journaling, go to a movie, watch a a funny show, uh, get with a friend, call someone who you know is like a bundle of joy and they're going to make you laugh every time you talk to them. Just little things every single day, every single week, I'll challenge the readers to do something. And over time and through prayer and through staying in God's word, God can help us pull out of that. It doesn't happen super quickly. And we all are at different levels of grief. You know, it might take six months for somebody. It might take three years for someone else. And we'll go back and forth and vacillate between the stages over and over. But there is hope and there is a future and God promises to never leave us. And that's what we can depend on. Mm. You know, when you were talking about depression, I was thinking about what contributed to my season of depression in the wake of everything. And and it's natural to have situational depression, right? When things are just so overwhelming. But I think just the stigma of divorce alone, you know, it was the D word. We didn't say it in our house. And so we didn't even mention its possibility. And so you can suffer from guilt and not forgiving yourself for divorce. And church sometimes does not know how to deal with divorce. You know, oh, you know, you felt like you're you're in this shroud of shame as you go to church, you know, and here's all these people who are married. Why couldn't I have that? You know, there can mm-hmm. be covenanting in that as well. And when you talked about your daughter um, with depression, one of my daughters also walk through that. And and she described to me, it was a six year long battle to be set free from it. It is a spiritual matter. And so if you're listening today and you're feeling even guilty about being depressed, it is a spiritual matter. It is an attack and there's way to counter it, you know, with God's word. Um, We don't have to stay in that mindset, but for my daughter, she realized she needed to face it. And I remember one time praying with her and saying, you're going to get the victory. I just sense it. You are going to get the victory. You know, and, I, and she asked me, why do I have to struggle with depression, mom? And I just remember there was just this faith I had. And <clears throat> excuse me. And once uh, when I was speaking at a women's conference and leading worship, the Lord put on my heart, she needed to share her testimony. So sometimes walking through something is speaking confidently of what God is able to do and she shared at that conference how God had delivered her from depression because he had. And all these women began to weep. And it was this huge moment of if God can do it for her, he can do it for me. 
And this has been something that stuck mm-hmm. with me is, you know, God has victory for you, friend. If you're listening in, you say that's for somebody else. No, it's for you. And this leads me to point number four, letting go of what we know. Acceptance is hard. And to move toward when we just can't let go of what has been our normal, it's hard to move forward. How do you counsel people, Tracy, to accept what is really unacceptable? Well, accepting what you never wanted to happen is probably one of the hardest things. <laughs> Whether you're mourning the loss of a loved one that has you know, gone to heaven or mourning the loss of, of something else in your life, mourning the loss of a spouse that you didn't want to let go, accepting that is one of the hardest things that we have to do. But it's one of the best things that we can do for ourselves because accepting what was but no longer is and just kind of letting go of the past is what releases our hearts to focus on what can be and who we can be and what God has in store for us. So if we just keep on hanging on to what can't be, we can never open the door for God to start showing us what he has in store for us. And Jeremiah 29 11 says, God has a plan and a purpose and a future, you know, and a wonderful life ahead for all of us. And so that's the hope that we can cling on to that our hope is in him. And no matter what's happened, we can have that hope. And in my case, after I'd spent probably almost over a year waiting and hoping that maybe something, you know, could change and maybe God would change his heart or, you know, the the situations, I finally knew that this is the time. And I remember just praying for God, to, to God for so long, like, God, I need to know is, you know, I didn't, nobody wants to be divorced. You don't ever want to get divorced and you don't want to be the one that initiates it. But when I've gone for almost a year with very little contact and no hope of any change, I knew that I couldn't stay in this limbo. You know, I had to either be married or not be married. And so I just kept praying for God, show me the way, show me what to do. And I don't have that devotion pulled up in front of morning after praying that prayer Mm. and the devotion that morning that I read, which I believe was out of Jesus calling was almost word for word, what I prayed that morning. And the gist of it was stop hanging on to what can't be let go and move forward and trust me with the future. And so I just burst into tears and my mouth just fell to the floor because it was almost like God said, just let go. You know, I give you permission. You are released from this pain, you know, move forward. And so I'm the one that went through the process. I took a free class at the library because money was tight, figured out how to file all the papers. And I did it myself. And a lot of people, I have a lot of women that will reach out to me and say, well, I feel so guilty because I was the one that did it. But I don't think that they should, because if you've, if you've prayed about it and you felt like that was the right step for you and for your family, regardless of the circumstances, you accepted what had happened and you chose to embrace whatever God has for you in the future. And that's the best thing that we can do for ourselves, because that is what is going to set us on a different path to really start healing and moving forward and letting God do good things in our lives and start showing us how he can use what we've been through as a catapult to something new and good that he has for us. That's so good. And I think for me, I had to also, you know, it wasn't a story I ever wanted. I didn't want this testimony. You know, I, I liked my nice and neat testimony. You know, I waited for marriage, I homeschooled for 23 years, you know, wore the gunny sack dress. <laughs> and, Suddenly, 
it's this awful, awful thing. I just don't even want to think about, you know, the things that I went through. And yet God can have that be a part of my story that just reveals his glory. You know, it's this redemption and that's what he is. And am I willing to let him use me in that way is the theme that he keeps bringing back to me. Am I willing to be on mission with the different things I didn't want to be a part of who I was? And so our identity is in Christ. And this is so beautiful. No matter what we go through on this earth, and we can accept that incredible identity, which is far greater than trying to identify with the problems that we have down here. So, Tracy, are there any last thoughts that you would like to share? Um, the only thing I can think is I do just want to mention that I'm certainly a proponent of marriage and the marriage covenant. <laughs> yes. And I know that God is the healer of all things and if he, and he is the healer of marriages. And if it's his will, he will do that. And so I always encourage people if they feel like there is a, a chance, if both parties are on board to please, you know, to definitely pursue that. But in my case, despite the many, many months and years of pursuing it, you know, there came a time when you have to accept that this is not God's best for me. And this mm-hmm. is not, this is not going to happen. So you have to get to that point of acceptance one way or the other. And acceptance doesn't mean you're over what happened. It just means you're ready to move forward and stop staying stuck where you are and giving God an opportunity to just to paint a brand new picture for your future. So regardless of your situation, God is in control. He has a good future for you, but look to him for guidance as to what is best for you and in the long run. So good. I'm so glad that you made that point. And, you know, even if you're listening today and you're saying you don't understand how hard my marriage is, you know, I would agree with Tracy that you give it all you have and you pray about it. But God also does make a way out. You know, uh, if you're in an abusive situation and if you're in a situation where there was adultery and you can see that there isn't that true repentance, sometimes there has to be an end. And, you know, God is going to carry you through that if that is the direction that you have to head. So thank you. Yeah, go ahead. I'd love to share this. I do have a chapter in the book about uh, fears. And I think that's so important because I hear from so many women that stay in a very difficult marriage or an abusive marriage or a marriage where constant infidelity or addictions or whatever are happening with with no hope for anything ever changing. But they stay there because they're afraid um, not only to leave, but to be on their own. Or maybe they're a single mom. God has so divinely provided financially for my family that I can't even list the ways. <laughs> I uh-huh. do share a few ways in the book, but my fears were so overwhelming. And I have a whole story in the book about how he really freed me from that. And it was just a turning point in my life that me and my kids started getting really excited about, hey, what's God going to do next? It's <laughs> incredible. And then I have lots of other stories about women who had the same things. And so that would probably be the final word of encouragement that I would want to give is that if someone is staying in a relationship that's not well and that they feel like they are, they need to accept it and they need to move on and do what's best for them, but they're not doing it because of fear to really surrender those fears to God and ask him um, to make it so clear that he's going to provide for you and take care of you and not leave your side and walk along this journey with you. 
so important. And I, we went through the same thing, my kids and I, it was like, what is God going to do next? You know, and it's so amazing. And so that is for you, friend, listening today. You might think, well, that's you guys. No, God provides, you know, he will be there. And so don't let fear paralyze you. Great point. Thank you so much for being with us, Tracy. Please share how our listeners can find you. Um, my blog is tracymiles.com. I'm also on Facebook, Tracy Miles, comma, author. That's my author page. And also my Love Life Again community, which is a vibrant community of women who have gone through all types of different difficulties in life that just support each other and encourage each other. Um, I'm also on Instagram. Awesome. You've been listening to the Seeing Deep podcast, where we dive into the word of God for the answers to life's problems. 